It's the Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. Here's Rob Carney. Noon, 12.02. We're flexible, aren't we? Heartland at Noon brought to you by Purpose Financial and Heritage Insurance, working together to serve you better. It's the Tuesday, October 5th edition. Coming up today, we'll have the latest numbers on COVID-19 as local and businesses across the province struggle with restrictions. The struggle centering mostly on proof of vaccination. Some who are supposed to be asking for proof are not. And some are struggling with the fact they're turning customers away because of it. I'll share some of the concerns and conversations I've had in recent days. The local by-election to decide the next mayor of Moose Jaw. Coming up November 3rd, today we feature Sam Morrison, one of nine candidates. Big event downtown tomorrow as local people team up to work on the new Moose John District Food Bank and raise a little money at the same time. PDD Pete Eatridis uh, is in charge of business development and marketing for Winmar and Custom Works Contracting. We'll visit with Pete today. And Melanie Cole is on the show today. She's a Saskatchewan writer, a blogger, with an eye on publishing some of her work, which includes some most compelling storytelling about haunted buildings and some of Saskatchewan's unsavory people from the past. Stick around. You'll enjoy the visit with our Stephen Wilson and Melanie Cole. Today on the Heartland at Noon. You're listening to 800 CHAB Moose Jaw, a Golden West radio station. Discover Moose Jaw News for Ivermain Place. Small town life is great when you're surrounded by people with big hearts. Contact today for senior living opportunities at Ivermain Place Central Butte. Good afternoon, I'm Haley Shirky. One of nine candidates for mayor is five-year resident Michael Haygarth. He is an aircraft maintenance engineer, a member of the Moose Jaw Flying Club, he volunteers with the Air Cadets, and he coaches the biathlon. Haygarth says his career in the highly regulated industry is what will help him improve Moose Jaw. I've been trained for the last 20 years to fix problems. He plans to get involved with the Community Watch, as well as try to expand community resources for people with addictions and help address the city's petty crime. He also wants to put more focus and public awareness towards the money being spent on infrastructure and road construction. November 3rd is the voting day for the by-election. Starting today, Saskatchewan residents are able to begin booking appointments to receive this year's flu vaccine. For the first time, the Saskatchewan Health Authority is providing an online option for booking your appointment. A flu shot booking tool is now available on their website at forflu.ca. Flu shot appointments can also be booked by telephone at 1-883-SASK-VAX. All Saskatchewan residents aged six months and older are eligible to get a free influenza vaccine every year. SHA-operated flu shot clinics begin on Tuesday, October 12, 2021. A complete list of pharmacies offering influenza vaccinations this season can be found on the Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan website. Vaccination or proof of a negative COVID-19 test is now required to visit some businesses, including the Western Development Museum. The museum will still be increasing sanitization, and masks are a requirement for visiting. Joan Canigan, CEO of the Western Development Museum, says those visiting the museum have been following the guidelines. You know, 99% of the people that, that come understand the requirements that we have to follow and, and happily comply with them. Um, certainly, if people are unable to wear masks, 
folks that do not want to disclose their vaccination status or are unvaccinated at this time. We just ask that they come and visit us when these requirements are no longer in place. ID will also be required when visiting to verify vaccination or negative test results. Five new deaths related to COVID-19 were reported on Monday, along with 445 new cases and 523 recoveries. The South Central Zone holds seven of the new cases, Saskatoon has 116, and Regina has 90. 325 people are hospitalized, 250 people are receiving inpatient care, and 75 are in the ICU. 4,625 cases are considered active. SGI's Traffic Safety Spotlight for the month of October returns to distracted driving. The Crown notes that over the past five years, an average of 877 people have been injured each year in collisions caused by driver distraction and inattention on Saskatchewan roads, which represents one out of every five auto vehicle injuries. If people are caught distracted driving, they face a $580 ticket and four demerits. Distracted driving also results in an average of 26 fatalities per year. And sticking on that topic, SGI's efforts to stop impaired drivers was recently recognized with a national award. MAD Canada chose SGI to receive its 2021 Citizen of Distinction Award, presented annually to those who have made a major contribution to the anti-drinking and driving movement in Canada. Media Relations Manager for SGI, Tyler McMurchie, reflects on what it means to win the award. Tremendous honour for SGI. Uh, it's a recognition of the work that has been done in the province, not just by SGI, but by a number of partners like MAD and SAD and law enforcement and uh, government and a number of other uh, organizations that we work with to uh, reduce the human cost of impaired driving here in Saskatchewan. McMurchie adds that while we are seeing fewer deaths and injuries as a result of impaired driving, the number is still not zero, which is the target. And now, the Golden West Radio Money Scope for Aaron Rustin of Purposed Financial, bringing understanding and financial success to clients for over 35 years. The TSX is up 115 points, the Dow Jones is up 394 points, the NASDAQ is up 222 points, and the Canadian dollar is up at 79.51 cents U.S. And do you have a story to share? Click Submit News on discovermoosejaw.com. Some Conservative MPs were making rumblings of discontent on their way into this morning's first post-election party caucus meeting. Alberta MP Shannon Stubbs lost votes in the election and wants leader Aaron O'Toole to explain how he plans to win back the trust of some supporters. O'Toole told reporters he believes he has the caucus support to stay on as leader. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business is reporting the largest monthly drop in sentiment by small business owners since the pandemic started. Its latest survey finds its members are increasingly sour on their financial prospects, mostly due to uncertainty over the fate of federal pandemic supports, which the Federation wants to see extended. The group says all of the sectors it surveys, retail and agriculture, saw the deepest dives on their outlook for the next year. The five finalists for the $100,000 Scotiabank Giller Prize include two-time runner-up Miriam Taves for her novel Fight Night about three generations of women living under one roof in Toronto. 
The winner will be announced during a televised ceremony on November 8th. And Canadian-born actor Michael J. Fox is going to receive the American Association of Retired Persons Purpose Prize for his work through his charity that advocates for Parkinson's research. The Emmy-winning actor was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 1991 and launched the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research in 2000. Since then, it has funded more than $1 billion in global research programs. I'm Pam Fedick. Now, Discover Moose Jaw Sports. It's a rare Tuesday night game in the local high school football league tonight in Moose Jaw with the Vanier Vikings taking on the Peacock Tornadoes under the lights at McDonald Field. Game time is 7 o'clock. It's a makeup game after COVID-19 protocols prevented the Vikings from playing that game back on September the 25th. The Vikings are coming off a 12-12 tie in Estevan this past Friday, while the Tornadoes are seeing their first action since a 65 nothing loss to the Central Cyclones back on September 18th. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed former CFL All-Star receiver Duke Williams. He played in Edmonton before he moved on to the NFL. Williams has spent the past three years with the Buffalo Bills. It's a one-game playoff tonight. One of baseball's oldest rivalries, the Yankees and the Bo Sox in the American League wildcard game. It's a one-and-done playoff tonight. The winner of that game advances to the American League Division Series. Hockey, the 18U AAA Warriors are in action. A Mosea plays tonight, hosting the Swift Current Legionnaires. And the NHL preseason continues. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are back at it, scoring power play goals in the third as the Oilers rally past the Calgary Flames. 4-3 last night. Also last evening, the Maple Leafs beat Ottawa 3-1. The Leafs play again tonight as they host the Montreal Canadiens. Now, your Discover Moose Jaw weather. Sunny with a high of 28 degrees this afternoon. Clear with a low of 7 tonight. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud becoming mostly cloudy in the afternoon. Wind southeast 30 gusting to 50. Tomorrow's high 29. Thursday, mix of sun and cloud 17. Friday, a mix of sun and cloud 16. Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud with a high of 14. They've taken the chance of showers out of the forecast for Friday. Long range, let's look ahead here. Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud 16. And Thanksgiving Monday, a mix of sun and cloud with a high of 13 degrees. Yesterday's high in Moose Jaw, 26. Normal high at this time of year is 15 with a normal low of 2. Record high, 31 degrees set in 1943. Record low, minus 11 set in 1974. Sun came up today at 7.09 and goes down today at 6.32. This hour, Moose Jaw, mostly sunny, 20 degrees. Regina, 19. Assiniboia, Gravelberg, 19. Rockland, Coronac, 21. Swift Current, 19. Elbow, 19. Davidson, Watrous, 15. Once again, Assiniboia, 19. Regina, 19. And with the wind southeast at 9. And the relative humidity at 33%, it's 20 degrees in Moose Jaw. From World Weather Incorporated, here's 800 CHAB Agriculture Weather Specialist, Drew Lerner. For Young's Equipment, your Case IH dealer in southern Saskatchewan. Unseasonably warm temperatures will occur again today and tomorrow across Canada's prairies, including Saskatchewan, and then we'll look for a little bit of a cool down as we go to the end of this week and a greater cool off expected next week. I'm meteorologist Drew Lerner for the Golden West Radio Network. Temperatures will be pushing up well into the 20s again this afternoon and again tomorrow afternoon, and we'll likely see some extreme highs over 30 degrees 
degrees for the first week of October. That's crazy. But we will see those 30-degree readings in the southern part of the province, in particular the southeast. Now, we will expect to see the temperature starting to back off as we get into Thursday. A cool front will come across the region, try to bring those temperatures down to a more seasonable range. That means highs will be back into the teens and some lower 20s across the region. Now, the far southeast corner of the region Thursday afternoon could still be in the middle or even a couple of upper 20-degree readings, but that will be the end of it. We will look for the temperatures to be still, though, above average as we get into Friday and Saturday, maybe Sunday as well, but not as hot. Temperatures will be running mostly upper teens through the lower and a few middle 20s during that time period. A greater amount of cooling will come with the next storm system, which is expected to occur during the early to middle part of next week. This storm system promises to bring a little rain and snow to the parts of the region. Yes, I did say the S word, and we are going to see a little bit of a mix of precipitation types occurring across the region. I am still not completely convinced, though, that we're going to see high volumes of moisture in the region. In fact, I'd be willing to suggest that we'll see some locally moderate amounts of rain and snow both, but the majority of the province will probably still come up a little empty-handed on some of the precipitation that comes with this greater cool-off. So don't get too wound up about the fact that we've mentioned rain and snow yet. I think this storm system will change quite a bit yet before we start to deal with it, and again, that'll be early to midweek next week. Temperatures, though, will become cold enough for hard freezes in much of the province as we get into the middle part of next week, and our afternoon temperatures may be stuck in the single digits, and that will make it certainly feel a little bit more like it should at this time of the year. For the Golden West Radio Network, I'm meteorologist Drew Lerner. Hi folks, Tim from Young's Equipment, your genuine Case IH parts and service dealer. Harvest is moving fast, so let's plan for next year. Book winter inspections on Case IH combines, tractors, and sprayers. Pricing of these quality service packages is held from last year until January 31st. Book now to take advantage of 10% off all genuine Case IH parts installed with the inspection. Special trucking rates and Young's loyalty program. Slots are filling fast. Contact Young's Equipment to avoid disappointment. Check youngs.ca today. This is Greg Marston from Heritage Insurance, and you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. Road Report from My Addiction's Clothing Boutique in the Town & Country Mall. New fall fashions have just arrived. Small to 2XL. Pavement crack ceiling. The project resumed yesterday at various locations across the city. In fact, I saw them sealing the cracks on Thatcher Drive yesterday. Held up quite a bit of traffic yesterday afternoon, as a matter of fact. Federal joint ceiling out there doing the contracted work. Roads will remain open while the crack ceiling occurs, but lane restrictions will be in place. That'll continue throughout the week. What else can I tell you? Sewer repair on the 900 block of Duffield West. A water service leak, 600 block of Cotta West. A water service leak on Skipton Road between Duffield and Grandview. Weatherly Drive, Flax Road to Calypso, water service leak. Water service leak uh, between Hall and Oxford on 6th Avenue Northwest and construction on uh, Cotto Street East near York Avenue and Lorne Avenue. If you have trouble in traffic anytime, let us know. We can alert motorists right here on the radio. Just call the Moose Jaw RV and Marine Contest Line, 693-8000. Now, today's Paul Martin commentary. With the summer-like weather we're having, it can be difficult to remember that we're now entering the final quarter of the year. 
This is the time when business leaders assess whether they'll make the budget by year-end, and if it's going to be a close call, they bear down for a final push to the end. Now, while that occupies those with operational responsibilities, the executive suite will be focused on planning. The year is already done for them. Now it's on to getting things in order for 2022. Goals or targets will be determined, priorities for investment, and potential big moves. Things like expansion or mergers and acquisitions are contemplated at this time of year as they work towards getting the new business plan in place. And if you were to compare this to a hockey team, the operational managers are reacting to their current situation. Think of them as the goaltenders devoting all their attention to a specific area of responsibility, like the goal crease. Executives are more like the forward line. They're looking at plays and figuring out ways to score rather than playing defense. I'm Paul Martin. Moose Jaw, notoriously entertaining. This Saturday will be the last homegrown market of the season. Come out to Langdon Crescent from 8 to 1, rain or shine, for the final homegrown market of the season this Saturday. Strike up some fun this weekend at the South Hill Bowling Center. Rock and Glow Bowling is back Friday and Saturday nights and Saturday afternoons. Knock down some pins with your friends and family. South Hill Bowling. Call 693-0955 to book your spot. This is Aaron Rustin of Purpose Financial, where we've been bringing clarity, understanding, and success to our clients' personal financial plans for over 35 years. And you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800-CHAB. We've got the latest COVID update on Discover Moose Jaw today. Active case count drops slightly as hospitalizations and deaths rise. The government of Saskatchewan reporting five more deaths yesterday, 445 new confirmed cases of COVID-19 as well. Of the new cases, seven are in the south-central zone, where we now have 243 active cases, the 243 down from 268 on Sunday. So we're headed in the right direction locally. The active case count in the province has dropped slightly to 4,635, but the number of those needing hospital care is on the rise. 325 people are in hospitals, 250 in inpatient care, 75 in IC units across the province. The government also reporting 2,500 more doses of the COVID-19 vaccine were administered on Sunday, with 1,283 of those being first doses, 1,217 being second doses. Dr. Alex Wong of Saskatoon on Twitter yesterday writing this, Every part of Saskatchewan's health care system is broken right now. Hospitals and ICUs overwhelmed. ERs have nowhere to put anyone. Public health is crushed. Frontline healthcare workers are demoralized, knowing it will get much worse. It's horrible. It's not okay. It's a complete disaster, Dr. Wong wrote. Dr. Hassan Masri, also of Saskatoon, who's been outspoken over the last several months during this pandemic, uh, shared a, a lot of uh, facts and figures on Facebook on the weekend. He said SAS now has the highest new case rate among all provinces in Canada. In the last 14 days, Saskatchewan has the highest COVID death rates in Canada. And Saskatchewan has canceled over 200 surgeries per day for its citizens over the last 14 days. That's a total of 2,800 surgeries in two weeks. That's 2,800 families that will now have to join the wait. If you want to follow these guys, Dr. Alex Wong is active on Twitter, and Dr. Hassan Masri of Saskatoon is very active on Facebook, and he answers questions, too. So if you have questions, you have concerns, I mean, these guys are on the front line. They know what's going on, and they share it on social media. 
Interesting to note, uh, as of this past Friday, uh, all of us in Saskatchewan need to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test uh, to enter a number of places, uh, including indoor dining and restaurants, nightclubs, bars, taverns, and licensed establishments, entertainment venues, conference centers, casinos, movie theaters, concert venues, live music venues, museums, indoor facilities, hosting ticketed sporting events, and indoor fitness centers and gyms. So the proof of vaccination was in effect uh, for the Warriors game this past Saturday at Mosaic Place, past Friday, this past Friday at Mosaic Place, and, and things seemed to go smoothly. And uh, the city of Moose Jaw uh, let us know on September 30th, the day before this came into effect on Friday, uh, they told us that effective October 1st, a provincial requirement for proof of COVID-19 vaccination or negative test for individuals over age of 12 will be implemented at designated city of Moose Jaw facilities. Those facilities uh, include Yara Center Fitness Center, fitness classes and walking track. Access to the Moose Jaw Museum and Art Gallery, the Public Library, and Mosaic Art Gallery. says that right here in the Thursday news release from the city. Then the Public Library on Friday uh, posted on Facebook, due to rapidly changing provincial health orders, uh, Moose Jaw Public Library will not be asking for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test at this time, but masks are still required. So it's it's confusing for a lot of people. And interesting to note, you do not need proof of vaccination to enter the Kinsman Sportsplex pool. I was ready to show my proof yesterday, but was told it wasn't necessary. So I was surprised. I look at the news release from the city of Moose and it doesn't mention the Kinsman Sportsplex pool. But another pool patron yesterday told me about her concern about that. She's fully vaccinated and hoping the city of Moose extends the proof of vaccination rules to the pool. So she talked to City Hall. They deflected her to her MLA. Her MLA passed her on to Saskatchewan Health. And that's where that's at yesterday. She's not looking for an explanation. She gets it. She's looking for a mandate. And so it goes. We'll take a brief time out. And here from Sam Morrison, one of nine people running for the office of mayor in Moose Jaw in the upcoming by-election. Heartland at noon on CHAB. Power days are back at Nutter's today and tomorrow. Get 20% off vitamins and supplements and 15% off everything else. Some exceptions may apply. Power days today and tomorrow. Nutter's Everyday Naturals. Tesla Calabruces this Friday, October 8th. The Manicotas Talkman's call sale at 10 a.m. and 1500 head of calves. The Manicotas Select video sale. Watch on dvauction.com. Last sale, 410 head of 950-pound steers sold for $1.97. Head for 760 sold for $1.86. Steer calves, 405 to $1.33. Head for calves, 400 to 500 pounds, $1.98. October 15th is the Nangus Cast Sale. It's Friday at 10 and all class sales, cast and video sales. Call 478-2229. This is Greg Marsnick from Heritage Insurance, and you're listening to the Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. He's one of nine locals running in the mayoral by-election next month, Sam Morrison for mayor. His profile on the City of Moose Jaw website reads, I arrived in the friendly city 38 years ago for a wedding. I knew right away this is where I wanted to call home. I have two children and four grandchildren that live and work in the city. I'd like to keep young people in this city with good jobs and secure futures and ensure that it is also a great place to retire. 
I've owned and operated my own successful business for over 13 years. I've been actively involved as a board member of the Chamber of Commerce, Community Futures, and have been president of our Moose Jaw Elks Club for 10 years. These experiences have strengthened my leadership skills and have given me the opportunity to be approachable and to work cooperatively with others. I am grateful for this opportunity and will always do my best to serve the residents of Moose Jaw. Our Catherine Ludwig with mayoral candidate Sam Morrison. So you're a resident of Moose Jaw for 38 years. You own and operate your own business. What business is that? I had flat top automotive for 13 years. And you're still in that business? No, I recently sold it. That's why I'm able to take on this, this position. Okay, okay, yeah. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had considered city council for a long time, but I wasn't willing to do it while I still had uh, a business. So it, it just happened. Uh, I sold the business the last day in August, and uh, this mayor position opened up, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to try. It just just the timing, the way it worked out, eh? Before I get locked down in another job, I'll take a run at this. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we've got time to commit now. So what inspired you to be mayor? You said you had, you've had a long-time interest in being a part of city council, but what inspired you to run for mayor this year, apart from <laughs> selling your business? Well, I wasn't going to run for city council unless I got rid of my business also. Um, it, it's just that the mayor position opened up first. Or may have just went straight to city council, so I, I wanted to get active as soon as I could, and uh, it's just a matter of timing, really, is how it worked out. But I'm interested in serving. I've, I've got a long history of volunteer work. I feel anybody with our lifestyle in Canada here should give back something. We've got the time. There's no excuse. You know, we've all got the resources, and uh, this is, you know, in a similar slant, some kind of service. To the public, even if it is a paid position, it's uh, you, you are making a bit of a sacrifice. Where have you volunteered? Uh, I've belonged to the Elks for over 15 years. That's right, you're the president of the Moose Jaw Elks. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And you are also a board member on the Chamber of Commerce? Correct. Are you planning to get involved with any other local organizations if you are elected? Uh... I, I mean, I, I deal with a lot of them. I belong to many of the clubs in town. I'm just most active with the Elks. Um, uh, we've tried to breed an atmosphere of working together with other clubs. I think we've done that well with the Elks moving in with the Legion, you know, after we sold our building. A lot of people were not in favor of it, but uh, I think both groups have become stronger and no one's lost any identity from it. You know, and, and that's what I've tried to breed there. And I've met people in all the local groups and tried to maintain some communication, you know, in the spirit of working together. You know, not always successful, but that's, that's been my goal. Um, and, and I just don't want to stay that way. Uh, I've even done that with my business. Um, worked with the business right across the street, same kind of automotive business. And uh, we've leaned on each other for all sorts of things and, and, and both done better because of it. And some surrounding businesses have gotten to know a lot of them and, and everybody gives everybody a hand, which is how I think it should be. I'd like to get the, you know, breed that kind of atmosphere around City Hall there. We're all really on the same team, working for the same goals. 
Do you have no. any strategies in place right now for how you want to evolve even more local organizations? Really, the biggest thing is just communication. I'm certain the first little while is going to be sitting down and talking to people. Um, I've got a lot to learn about my job uh, and a lot to learn what goes on in depth. Um, yeah, I think communication is really going to be the key. Talking to folks, and you've got you've got to you've got to learn what what they're facing every day, you know, in order to help with solutions. And I'm never going to have all the answers. That's why we have people. Yeah, you know, you know, people in those positions that we trust their judgment with. Okay, so yeah. what would you like to see different or add to Moose Jaw? Well, first off, I think Moose Jaw is just a great place to live. It really is. Um, that's why I'm still here. I came here by choice. You know, just needs a little bit of fine-tuning. You can never get complacent. Um, I want to see some improvements in our roads. I believe they've been working harder on them lately, but there's still a long ways to go. Um, you know, maintain improving in infrastructure, maintaining in infrastructure. Um, it's just not something you can ever sweep under the rug. You're going to pay for it in the long run. Uh, you know, the, the growing crime problem, the theft, you know, I believe that's, that's based, that's really just a byproduct of an illegal drug problem that we've got. Um, so I'd have to consult with a lot of folks in the know there, the, the police, medical and mental health professionals, um, and see what we can do. How, how can we equip them, you know, with the help of city council to do a better job? I'm sure they're frustrated, and they would love to help. You know, a lot of folks want to do a good job, but they maybe don't have the resources. So that's where I'd like to step in with some communication and see what we can do. Right now, I'm talking with Sam Morrison, one of the candidates for this year's by-election. So far, you've told me that you're looking to have more communication within the community, put focus on road improvements and maintaining infrastructure, but you also want to work with the police and health professionals on addictions and theft in the city. But on a different topic... You also talk about in your press release um, improving Crescent Park, making Crescent mm -hmm. Park more safe. Uh, a little what, bit safer, yeah. What do you plan to do there? Well, again, I'm not an expert on that, but I believe maybe a little more police presence, a little more patrolling or something of that ilk, uh, making sure the lighting's up to snuff. I just don't appreciate the vandalism that goes on there, the abuse of the animals or... You know, any kind of bullying or lewd public behavior. I think everybody knows what we're talking about there. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful facility. I would like to see it used more and people feel safe going in there. Somebody should be able to cut through there in the dark at night on the way home from work without feeling worried. Instead of having to walk all the way around. Yeah. For sure. And the subject of recycling and garbage, what do you want to do mm -hmm. there? Well, I'd like to ensure that the recycling goes straight to recycling instead of the dump. Uh, recycling gets done as efficiently as we can. Um, we want to minimize what we put in the dump. Uh, the dump's growing. Um, you know, inevitably it's going to have to be replaced, but maybe we can slow that down. It's going to be very costly to replace the dump. 
there's not going to be any good place to put it where somebody's not going to be upset. Uh, so just improve our recycling skills. Uh, I'd like to research a more efficient way of handling recycling, um, you know, process some of that waste. Uh, something like that could create jobs in their city. Um, I think it's just a win-win overall. It's not a glamorous problem, but it's not one that's going to go away either. It's something we need to address and, and do as good as we can. And did you yeah. have anything else planned that wasn't included in the press release that you'd like to share? Oh, let me think. There's so much. It's all written down. <laughs> My mind's just been racing here. Um well, along with that, you know, illegal drug problem comes a problem of, of homelessness. I think we're on a good path with the um, mission building a new facility here. I'd like to make sure we work with them and, you know, not, not be a hindrance to their operation. Um, just a general cleanup downtown, you know, vacant lots and buildings. What can we do about that? Make things better. The 4th Avenue Bridge is always a concern, but it's my understanding, and I'll learn more about that as I get in, um, what's going on there. I know there's a plan in place. I just want to make sure that stuff's all done efficiently and it's going to be a long-lasting job that's done properly. Uh, I don't know if there's any incentives available for home improvement, you know, rather than penalizing them on their taxes for spending a fortune on their house and, and making it look better for the community. I'd like to encourage, you know, the involvement of local businesses for any city projects. I mean, even if it's not the cheapest bid we get from the local ones, maybe we could make an exception and work with them, getting them on board instead of going out of town, within reason. What makes you different from the other candidates? Uh, I'm not really politically minded. I've tried over the years to follow politics and learn about politics, but it just makes my head spin. All I know is you got to get up in the morning and get to work, you know, deal with people, figure out problems and try and solve them. Uh, more of a business mind. Even when I was working for somebody else, I took a great interest in the business part of it. Um, that's all I can promise that I'd get to work and get at it. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't waste your time or your dollars. Would you say that's what's going to make you a good leader for Moostra? I believe it is, yeah. I'm not afraid to talk to people, and people don't seem to be afraid to talk to me. Sam Morrison, one of nine people running for the office of mayor in Moose Jaw in the upcoming by-election. We featured a number of them now, and we'll continue to feature each and every one of the candidates here on the Heartland at noon this week. We'll take a time out and be back. we got your lunch plans all set for tomorrow at the Moose Jaw District Food Bank. That story's coming up next. 800 CHAB, connecting the community. You're invited to meet some new people, reconnect with old faces, and play some board games with Moose Jaw Pride. On Tuesday, October 12th, they're hosting a Magic the Gathering and board game night starting at 6 o'clock at the Moose Jaw Pride and Rainbow Retro Thrift Shop. The evening is for anyone 16 and older, and if you're interested, you can either just show up at the event or email info at moosejawpride.ca. That again is a board game and Magic the Gathering night at Moose Jaw Pride and the Rainbow Retro Thrift Shop, Tuesday, October 12th, starting at 6 o'clock. 
Connecting the community. Brought to you by Moose Jaw Truck Shop, your number one diesel truck repair experts. Visit Moose Jaw Truck Shop on Facebook for more information. Beachcomber Hot Tubs, 270 Caribou Street West in Moose Jaw. And Community Service Radio, 800 CHAB. Discover Moose Jaw weather for Prairie Heart Mobility. Make life easier with quality mobility products. Discover your options at prairieheartmobility.com. Mainly sunny this afternoon, a high of 28. Tonight, clear, becoming partly cloudy overnight and a low of 7. Tomorrow, mix of sun and cloud, becoming cloudy near noon. Winds gusting to 50 kilometers an hour near noon and a high of 29. Thursday, mix of sun and cloud, a high of 17. Friday, mix of sun and cloud, a high of 16. And Saturday, mix of sun and cloud, and a high of 14. Windmar and Custom Works Contracting is holding a donation drive set up on the side of the new food bank building tomorrow between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Along with food donations, a minimum $5 donation can get you a hamburger or hot dog, drink, and popcorn, with all proceeds going directly to the food bank. For all your news and weather anytime, click on discovermooshaw.com or the Moosha Live app. I'm Sean Slatt. This is Aaron Rustin of Purpose Financial, where we've been bringing clarity, understanding, and success to our clients' personal financial plans for over 35 years. And you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. He scooped me. That's Sean Slant scooped me. <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about right now. Winmar and Customers Contracting working together to revitalize Moose Jaw's food bank. This week, they're donating time and materials to apply thermal cork shield to the new building that the food bank has at 270 Fairford West. So there's a donation drive uh, at the food bank uh, tomorrow between 11 and 2 while the cork material is being applied. Uh, it's a big day. Together tomorrow at the Moose Jaw District Food Bank is Pete Eatreides, who's in charge of business development and marketing with Winmar and Customers. Works contracting. Pete, let's start with tomorrow, big day. Yeah, big day tomorrow. Uh, so, Wednesday, October 6th, between 11 and 2 p.m., uh, we're going to be at the Moose John District Food Bank, where Winmar and Custom Works Contracting are working together to revitalize the Moose John District Food Bank by donating time and materials to apply a thermal cork shield to their new building located at 270 Fairford Street West. And we are also going to have food there. We're going to have uh, hot dogs and burgers, which were kindly donated by Moose Jaw Co-op and Michaela and her team here at the Moose Jaw Co-op. And we're collecting donations, uh, monetary, or we also will be accepting food donations, canned goods, and whatever you can give. And then we'll also give you something back. We'll have some goodies that we're going to be giving away. Well, Winmar's stepping up and being a, being an important part of the community, as you, you always have been, uh, stepping up and getting some assistance from others like the Moose Jaw Co-op, you said, and uh, others around the community, right? Yes, for sure. Like United Rentals stepped up and they donated the lift for the whole week that we can use to apply the cork spray. And, yeah, just everyone, like even you guys at the radio station to help us get the word out there to the people and... Yeah, we're kind of excited. Uh, it's a big project that we've been working on for a while now, and it's just going to be good to see that the Moose Jaw District Food Bank is going to have a nice home. That's tomorrow from 11 to 2 at the new location of the Moose John District Food Bank, 270 yeah. Fairford Street West. That's 270 Fairford Street West. Everybody's welcome to bring a, a donation of food, and then a donation of $5 gets you lunch, hamburger, hot dog, and a drink, and some popcorn, uh, courtesy of the Moose Jaw Co-op. Way to go, Pete. 
Yes, I, I just want to add that Willie Winmar, our new mascot, is also going to be there on site. And he'll be giving away the gifts to those who donate uh, anything that helps us fill the van. So, yeah, come out, support your local community, get some food, learn something, and do a good deed. Awesome. Way to go, Pete. Thanks for this. Thank you. Tomorrow, lunchtime. There you go. At the new food bank on Fairford West. Sunday Conversations, Melanie Cole. This is a story, a conversation that is featured on discovermoosejaw.com. A journey that started out as a look into various places across Saskatchewan that were said to be haunted. Melanie Cole. She's a writer from Saskatoon, and while she was looking into the stories of haunted buildings and places, she came across the story of the Carrobert Courthouse, the building purportedly haunted, and is it's all connected to a, a skull that was said to be in the storeroom of the building. That story led her down a rabbit hole into a disturbing side of Saskatchewan's past. The story she uncovered spanned the province from the Red Verse area all the way to Lake Athabasca. Our Stephen Wilson with Melanie Cole. I'm joined today by Melanie Cole, a, a writer from here in Saskatchewan who has been exploring uh, kind of a, a bit of a, a grisly side of Saskatchewan's history and something that people may not necessarily, you know, realize uh, and a number of, you know, things that have happened over the years and some of them still unsolved, some of them uh, still urban legends or, or even myths that are told uh, are on Coffee Row. Um, but first of all, Melanie, um, how did you kind of stumble down this um, this rabbit hole of the dark past of Saskatchewan? Well, it all started with the Carrobert Courthouse. Um, I was doing some Googling. I was looking into, like, the allegedly most haunted places in Saskatchewan. So I was thinking about writing something about that. And I found the story of how the courthouse in Carrobert is supposedly haunted. Um, people hear whispering in empty rooms and footsteps on the main stairway. Um, and they believe it's haunted because an old skull was kept locked in the basement evidence room used as, a, as evidence in a 1931 murder trial. And that immediately made me sit up in my seat. I needed to know who this skull belonged to. I needed to know who, mood, who murdered who and why and what happened. And uh, so I started Googling and trying to find it, and I had absolutely no luck. I reached out to the library, and they said they only had one 1931 murder trial that took place in the Carbert courthouse and it was two farmers that uh, they'd gotten into a fight at a meeting and um one farmer had pulled a knife and stabbed the other farmer and um he died three days later so obviously they knew who killed him he told them um obviously no skull would be used as evidence so that just started me on the hunt because i was like well i'm gonna find this i'm gonna find this murder i need to know if it's a true and be the story so all of a sudden i started just reading all of these archive newspapers and going through and i just kept finding all these amazing fascinating intense stories that i just knew i had to write about and the, the stories that you've come across uh kind of leads to two things it's there's a lot more of the past of saskatchewan that i think people don't realize and number two headlines are no longer written the way they used to be Oh God, no! Yeah, <laughs> they uh, they went into a lot more more detail in the past. That's for sure. There's some of the murder about. They almost basically uh, published the entire transcript from the courtroom. So that was really exciting. Now, of course, there's the story of the, the skull from Carrobert's courthouse. Have you found where it came from yet? 
Yes, I just published the article um, telling the story on, uh, that would be September 1st. Um, or No, sorry, August 31st. August 31st is Tuesday. <laughs> um, so yes, I did find it and it, 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 was, it did not disappoint. It was a very crazy story. Yeah. Now, for those who want to read in depth about that particular story, where can they, they find that? So that's on my website. It's MelanieCole.com. Um, Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, Cole, C-O-L-E dot com. Now, aside from the, the story of the skull in Robert, what are some of the other stories that you, you've come across that uh, maybe, you know, raised an eyebrow or led you down even another rabbit hole to try to find out more information about? Uh, well, honestly, every every murder that I write about on the website fascinates me. So I, I never write about anything that it that doesn't absolutely make my jaw drop and make me sit up in my chair. So trying to choose would be almost impossible. So uh, I'll tell you one story. It's uh, the murder of Hans Peterson. So on the morning of December 29th, 1931, the Tilks brother, Albert and Kenneth, they were driving to Ardis and they saw something lying by the road in the snow. And they went and looked, and it was the body of Hans Peterson. He's lying face down in snow. He's only 200 yards from from his shack. And they initially believed that he died of exposure, that he frozen to death. But when the RCMP started examining him, they found that there was actually a small bullet hole in his clothing, as well as a small spot of blood. And they realized he'd actually been murdered. So when they went and started investigating, they went to his shack, and someone had actually tried to burn down the shack. They lit the bed on fire, but the fire hadn't spread throughout the rest of the house. It only scorched a window. So he had, he had lit a lamp burner and thrown it on the bed. And so they were like, okay, something is really strange is going down here. And there had been a heavy snow the day they found the body, so they couldn't follow any sort of footprints. Um, so when they did the autopsy, they showed he'd been shot at short range, probably from the doorway of his bedroom, and he was shot in the abdomen. They figured he was sleeping, and he woke up when he was shot. They thought he must have just thrown on some clothes real quick and either ran out of the house chasing after the person who shot him, or they, uh, or he had gone out to get some help. Um, either way, he became weak in the snow, fell down, and he actually bled to death internally probably within about five minutes. And... Um, so they found some fingerprints on the lamp that was used to set his bed on fire. And they had heard in town that a man named Paul Shudwick had borrowed a 22 rifle on the day of the murder, which is the gun used to kill him. So <clears throat> they had actually been friends a year before. They'd actually lived together and worked on the same farm together. But the community said there had been some sort of falling out. There was some bad blood between them. And no one could say what happened or why. Um, Paul was kind of like a sullen, you know, held a grudge kind of guy, whereas Hans was very light, very easygoing, very likable. But no one could say what he'd done that had put Paul off so much. So Paul borrows the rifle and a man named Donald White, he was the last person to see Paul the night of the murder, said that as he was leaving the cafe, Paul told him he was going to shoot rabbits by moonlight which I found very ominous. but um, And that's the last time anyone saw Paul since the murder. So he had just been paid a lot of money. He just gotten a huge uh, payment of his wages. So the RCMP figured he must have skipped down and was probably going to leave the province. So they put out pictures in all the newspapers. Um, turned out didn't need to. 
Um, his body was found 10 days later. Uh, farmer Hector Torgerson, he sent his young son, like young son Herman, out to see if the cows had gotten into the granary on their property, which is near the far end of the Pike Lake Valley. And Herman went to the granary and he found the body of Paul Shedwitz. He was covered in a thick layer of frost. Um, he's frozen solid. He had a bullet wound in his head and the 22 rifle was still in his hand. So if they tested the bullets from the rifle and they were the same as the ones that killed Hans. And they believe what happened was that after Paul killed Hans, they, he just walked along the river ice until he got to the granary probably sometime in the early morning. And he killed himself there. Um, but yeah, no one ever revealed what the grudge was about or, or why Paul felt the need to kill Hans and then himself. I have my own completely unfounded theories, but that's part of the fun. <laughs> what could those theories be? <laughs> part of me thinks that maybe they uh, were involved in a relationship together or maybe Paul had tried for a relationship with Hans who blew him off or something like that because uh, that level of, of animosity isn't over uh, cheating on a card game you know what I mean no definitely or, and, and a or maybe they both were in love with the same woman. I mean, it could have been that too, but I feel like the community would have known about that. That's usually comes up. People, rumors abound and no one really knew what was going on there. So that's why it makes me think it was something a little bit more. <laughs> well, definitely. And, and of course, when you think about um, kind of like people's thoughts on the time of that sort of a relationship, that would lead to, you know, wanting to, to uh, kill yourself afterwards. Exactly. So I have absolutely no proof that is 100% just my own wild theory. So definitely don't take it as fact. It was just something that stuck out to me as I was reading all these articles and and thinking about it. It was just kind of... And the fact that, that the cops and, and that didn't... Had nothing to say about what the grudge was about made me suspicious. <laughs> She's a writer. She's got her own website called MelanieCole.com, and we'll continue our conversation with Melanie next. Heartland at noon on CHAB. Pumpkin spice and all things nice at the Moose Jaw Co-op. The key ingredients for Grandma's amazing apple pie. Dad's must-have mashed potatoes. Turkey so tender, you know they'll want seconds. And it all starts with a visit to the Moose Jaw Co-op grocery and in-house liquor store. Stocked with your usual favorites. And limited-time seasonal liquor, beer, and wines for your gatherings, too. Plus, every Moose Jaw Co-op purchase earns you equity and cash-back membership benefits. Become a Moose Jaw Co-op member today. Be part of something bigger. Hey, it's Brendan Labatt, and I'm a proud member of the Saskatchewan Wildlife Federation. Did you know every SWF membership purchased supports the securement and management of 300,000 acres of critical wildlife habitat in our province? Join our team and keep Saskatchewan wild. To get your membership or to learn more about our benefits, visit swf.sk.ca or call 1-877-SWF. Wild. This is Greg Marston from Heritage Insurance, and you're listening to the Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. We continue now with our interview with Saskatoon writer Melanie Cole. She's uncovered some disturbing stories and tales of Saskatchewan's history, from haunted buildings to unsavory characters. She loves to write and she loves to talk about her writing. Melanie Cole with our Stephen Wilson. Now, have you stumbled across any that are still to this day unsolved? Yeah, I have. There's um, 
there's a few. Um, there's one in Saskatoon. There's actually a few in Saskatoon. There's one I haven't written about yet. I'm trying to find more information before I do. But the one I've written about in Saskatoon, that was um, the axe murder of James Eli Johnson. It's called the Bungalow Axe Murder in Saskatoon. And he was attacked on Christmas night on 1925. He was laying in bed sleeping, and he had eight axe wounds to his head. There were five major, three minor. And um, they think it was an axe based on the size of the wounds. And there were some... Some were sharp and some were made by a blunt option object, so they feel like it was probably an axe, and then they used both sides. They didn't ever find the murder weapon, though. They did find an axe on the property in the coal bin in the basement that looked like it had a smudge of blood on it, but it turned out it was chicken blood, and the axe was the wrong size. It was way too dull to have made several of the injuries. Um, he was married. His wife came to in the living room. Um, she was tied eight wrists and ankles. She managed to get herself up, get the phone off the hook in the kitchen. She actually used a toothbrush to use the rotary dial to get the long-distance operator and to send for the police. Um, Now, the police, when they did the investigation, they actually thought the wife did it. Um, But they examined her the night of the murder. She had absolutely no blood in her hair, on her clothes, and it was a really tight timeline. So according to the wife, they went to bed at about 9 o'clock, fell asleep right away, and by 10.30 p.m., she's on the phone with the telephone operator. And the doctors on the scene estimated that the injuries occurred anywhere from like a half an hour to like 15 minutes before, uh, to an hour and 15 minutes before he arrived. So, and he arrived around 11, maybe 10 to 11. So it fits with her idea of the timeline as well. And um, I just don't see it happening in that timeline for her to get herself tied up to have cleaned up all the blood to get the police there. It just doesn't seem feasible. And they had so many other leads they could have followed. So James Eli Johnson was a railway mail clerk. And in the bedroom, his keys were in his pants when he went to bed. He left them in a pocket. And when they were looking over the bedroom, his pants had the pockets pulled out and the keys were missing. And they looked all over the house. They went to his job. They tore the place apart. They never, ever found his keys. And a witness who saw James on Christmas Day earlier in the day said he saw him with two unidentified gentlemen. And James invited him to come with them to have a beer, but he never actually introduced the two gentlemen, which he found very odd. And from what he could tell, he didn't think that James actually wanted to have a beer with them. And it was like he was calling him to have a beer together so that he was there as well. And um, another friend said that James was nervous about staying in the house and had actually asked him if there's any availability in the apartment building he was living in. So there was all these leads they could have followed, all of the suspicious activity that they never they never actually followed up on because they were so convinced it was the wife. Uh, Interesting, uh, most compelling, uh, to say the least. You can read more about Melanie Cole uh, on discovermoosejohn.com, a story we published a number of days ago called Sunday Conversations, Melanie Cole. Uh, And you can uh, read uh, some of her stuff, some of her uh, writing, some of the blogs uh, at melaniecole.com. One more brief timeout. I'll be back with more next. Heartland at noon on CHAB. Where's the music coming from? Oh, it's coming from Alexa. Wow. She has a beautiful voice. Is she our neighbor? Uh, nope. She's our new smart device. Oh, you can play music on those things? You bet. Check this out. Hey, Alexa, play 800 CHAB. Wow, that device is smart. <laughs> Get it? 
Find instructions on how to set up your smart device under the quick links at discovermoosejaw.com. This is Greg Marston from Heritage Insurance, and you're listening to The Heartland at Noon on 800 CHAB. Just a reminder, we're giving away copies of the brand new Canadian edition of the 2022 Old Farmer's Almanac on the CHAB Morning Show this week. All you have to do, and you can do it right now, is text the Moose Jaw RV and Marine text line 6938000. Carol Wallace did that today. Is this Carol Wallace? It is. Carol, Rob Carney, CHAB, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Hey, thanks for entering to win the Old Farmer's Almanac on the Moose Jaw RV and Marine text line at 6938000. We drew your name. Thank you. That's awesome. You're welcome. So uh, you can pick up the uh, brand new 2022 edition, the Canadian edition of the Old Farmer's Almanac at the radio station anytime this week, Carol. Okay, thank you. Get entered. Moose Jaw RV and Marine text line. Just tell me your name and that you want the Old Farmer's Almanac and you'll be in the draw. We'll uh, call our next winner tomorrow morning at 8. My daily commentary is next, Heartland at Noon on CHAB. Attention malt barley growers. Prairie Malt and Bigger is offering competitive bids on 2021 Copeland, Metcalf, Synergy, Connect, Fraser, and Bow Barley varieties. And they also require soft white wheat, so send them samples today. Aggressive bids and nearby movement is available for malt barley and soft white wheat into Bigger, Saskatchewan. Contact Prairie Malt today for details and pricing. 1-306-948-3500. 1-306-948-3500. Call today. You're listening to 800 CHAB along with us at LBBD Auto Body. Hi, I'm Terry, and we are proud to say that we now have the highest level of accreditation for safe and quality collision repair in town. Oh, it was trending on Twitter. It was a big story around the globe. Facebook, the world's most popular social media network, went down yesterday for six hours. Therefore, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram were also out of order. It turned into a most entertaining time on Twitter, and it got even better when Facebook rebooted late yesterday afternoon. An acquaintance of mine was upset. The outage interfered with her work yesterday, and also, she wrote, underlines for me the serious codependent relationship I have with these platforms. She went on to say, There I sat, dejected, robbed of the ability to poll humans digitally about insignificant musings in my head. And then I had this epiphany. What if I just made up my own mind about stuff without others' feedback or input? Terrifying thought, she wrote. Anyway, she said, Facebook and Instagram are feeling about 50% better, and so am I having just written to my faceless community about nothing, really. I'm Rob Carney.